The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we are thrilled that you have joined us on the show today. We have some great guests. They just happen to be close personal friends of mine, Drew and Ellie Holcomb. I'm sure that most of you are very familiar with Drew and Ellie and their music. For those of you that are not, you're in for a treat. Drew and Ellie are a husband and wife Americana duo from right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Of course, they began touring together as Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. The band has supported many national touring acts, including Ryan Adams, Don Henley, Willie Nelson. Ellie is no longer with the Neighbors. She now has her own very successful solo career. She's topped the charts with her albums As Sure As The Sun and Red Sea Road. Drew Holcomb still tours nationally with Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, and their most recent album, Souvenir, is the most critically acclaimed release yet. So with them going many different directions, it's a big treat for us to get them in the room together for a conversation, and not only a conversation, but of course, as we do here in Typology, a little music to boot. But enough with the introductions. Let's get on with it. And now, here is the host of our show... Ian Cron. Ellie and Drew, welcome to Typology. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah. Ellie, you have drawn the attention of my dog, Percy. I love Percy. He is at your feet. He is the first dog that's made me want a dog. Really? Uh, yeah, that's a big deal. I had a big moment this morning when I walked in. I'm like, I think I'm okay with the dog. Percy I've been pushing, turned the tide. I've been pushing for a dog to, to no avail, so thank you. Yeah, no yeah. problem. This is a major day yeah. for us. <laughs> he has that effect on people, I will say. <laughs> he's special. Yeah, he is He's he is my, my all-day companion. Yeah. Sleeps on the bed. The dog runs my life. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> That dog runs my life. He's in the sun. He's found the one spot of sun that resonates with me. You know? Yeah. So. He's probably at seven. <laughs> All dogs are sevens, true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a, I got an email. So you know, I get these emails or I get like people reach out and they ask me questions about the Enneagram, right? Yes. And um, someone said, well, you know, my son. Yeah, I think, you know, he's five years old and he's really charming. I think he's a seven. And I went back. I said, all five-year-olds are seven. <laughs> she was very disappointed. Uh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. All yeah. five-year-olds and all dogs. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you know, what that's do you expect? good company if you can keep it. It is. It is. Well, that. now, I know you two guys are Enneagram aficionados. How did you learn about the Enneagram? That's a great question. My first, my first round with the Enneagram, and really our first round was counseling. Okay. 
my my I, I was in really intensive counseling three years into our marriage so how long ago was that about 10 years ago yeah 10 years about a ago. decade ago um and read richard Rohr, mm-hmm. and i it was when we read um sort of the way our two personalities interact it we were like has someone been watching us yes. like wow. it was yep. yeah and we laughed so hard i was like we oh my laughed. gosh i feel so known by this book mm. by <laughs> someone i don't know yeah this, this guy <laughs> richard knows me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know seriously the scales fall from the eyes moment right yeah for yeah. sure like literally truthfully it was it was a gift um it was a gift for us cuz we were navigating a lot at that time in our marriage and so we're opposites you know we're classic opposites attract and so we were very much always trying to understand each other's way of living and operating and and it helped just yeah it kind of give us some language for that and so we we were like early, you know, the early <clears throat> cult members of the uh, the Enneagram. <laughs> hey, have you guys heard about this thing? It's it's really great. It's ancient you know? personality test. I, <laughs> you know, it was great, but it did. It has been um, a transformative tool in our marriage, and then um, in in my family, we we brought it. I guess a year and a half after we kind of first encountered it we brought it on a family vacation and all went through ellie convinced all of her mm. siblings she's the oldest of five all convinced all of her siblings uh her brother's wife and her parents to take the online thing beforehand and, and it was like three nights in a row of just like all this great Going conversation after. i know they're great. supposed to read through everything but at the time i was like just take this test and let's, yeah, let's just start jump a conversation in, you know? and it was especially particularly for for one of the brother's I'm oldest of five, the middle brother, who's a different number than any of the other numbers. There's a lot of the same numbers in my family. It was transformative mm, for wow. for him and for us. We were like, mm. oh, you don't hate us. You just need more space than all of us need. Oh, and he's a five. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> With the four wing. And so oh. it was so, and poor thing, he's surrounded by sevens and nines. And don't so, say his name because he would hate to be being Yeah, he wouldn't want to be, he, he shall not be named. <laughs> yes. But, um, but it it was such a it was such a gift for for all of us to just have some like some common ground. It felt like common ground for the first time yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so funny you should say that um, because I've had a couple of experiences in the last few weeks of parents who have children who are fives, and it was revelatory for them. It was revelatory for the parents. Very yeah. very mm-hmm. healing. And also brought so much insight. And five with four is a quirky combo. It is. Um, that's like, you know, an incredible artists, often. Yes. Oh, yeah. Amazing yes. artists because their powers of observation mingled with that four creativity gives you David Byrne. Yeah. <laughs> Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it gives you some really cool stuff. Yeah. You know, really, really great stuff. Yeah. And yeah, they just don't miss anything. But mm-hmm. and what's interesting about fives? Well, I mean, you know, Ellie, you're a seven. Drew, you're an eight. So we're not going to spend too much on five land, yeah. right? Um, though you have a lot as a seven to learn That's, from fives. I'm like, actually, I probably should spend some time learning about fives. Isn't that <laughs> yeah. where I move, like in wholeness and yeah. health? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I have a lot to learn. I love what you just said. That's where I move in wholeness. Yeah. That is a wonderful way of talking about security. 
Oh yeah, I guess that is the actual word security. But yeah, I think of it as no, no, like that's a better word. Wholeness, yeah. That is a lovely word. Not I'm, sure I, I move there all that much, but <laughs> I want to. <laughs> well, dreams I mean, and aspirations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have high yeah. hopes that I will. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be fun when I get there. It'll be great. <laughs> Wildly stimulating and entertaining. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about a seven with an eight in uh, relationship because you are the first seven eight combo i think we've ever had on typology yeah that's right oh really nice i don't meet a lot of seven eight combos yeah i meet a lot of eight two combos i meet a lot of i actually meet a lot of seven five combos nice interestingly i've met a bunch of those um but seven and eight so let's let's start off this way all right um, think back to when you first discovered the Enneagram and tell me maybe Ellie, I'll start with you, okay. how you would describe Drew through the lens of the Enneagram to somebody else. Okay. And then, and then maybe comment about how after learning, really getting into it, how your perception of him changed, you know, kind of like before and after knowing the Enneagram. Sure. Uh, oh man. Well, the way that I would have described him, you mean you, like once I had the enneagram? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, I think I would have used the word with enneagram at that time. Like justice is 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 extremely important to him, and um, and and the challenger was a really helpful word for me. Mm. Um, a challenger of justice. <laughs> so right. I it it mm. it was uh, my opinion of him I, I hate pain I hate conflict I really just honestly didn't do it uh, right. before I was married to him and then I married a challenger right. um, and so I I had spent the first three years of our marriage really unbeknownst to Drew but just hiding and trying mm -hmm. to back away from any challenge that might be presented and mm -hmm. so uh I I think my perception of him changed um, after the Enneagram to know that this isn't just like him trying to cause pain on me. It's just the way that he operates mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. And what happened as I started rising to meet his challenges and actually like started using my voice, uh, he liked me so much better. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? I'm being a... <laughs> B-I-T-C-H. I'm, I'm like, I don't, I hate myself. I hate this. I hate having conflict. And he's like, I'm like I no, knew it was this is the good you. stuff. This is the good <laughs> stuff. I knew it was in there. And so I just, it was such a, a joy for me because it was this introduction really for the first time into like real relationship. Um, and so I guess my perception would have been, uh, truthfully like a bully before because mm. um, I just didn't understand where he was coming from um, and and a really sweet bully like I loved him and I knew that he loved me but when he got onto something that was like this isn't right let's go here I'm like no 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 I'm fine whatever you say is fine and he was always like play with me you know? <laughs> I, like, I don't want any part of that game so it switched from um bully to actually deeply engaged uh friend mm. and so i am really grateful that mm. was a huge shift in our marriage mm. and i think to the language of um how i sort of process um uh 
pain and and justice like i have to you know there was something about one of the things we read about an eight that eights like to verbally um sort of you know release their frustration into the world so when i get mad i need to like go outside and just like literally like roar like a lion i remember one time we were watching daniel tiger's neighborhood with our (laughs) (laughs) with our our two-year-old and there's this there's this scene where it's like where she's, they sing this song to Daniel because he's mad. And it's like, when you feel so sad that you want to roar, when you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> when you feel so, this is an eight. It's like, when you feel great. so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath, then roar. Because <laughs> then That's after great. the roar, you're like, okay, right. I'm good. I just needed to roar. I just needed to like being pent up, being caged as an eight is death. Right. Mm. You know, it's like you feel like so I just need, you know, um, to go express that. And so I've learned the healthy way for me to do that though is not necessarily in the moment, but it's like, hey, I need ten minutes. I'll be back. And I need to not put a silencer on your roar. Yeah. Which is what like I'm gonna go on a walk and I'm gonna like feel the things that I'm feeling right now. Um but then also my tendency as an eight is to want to fight it out immediately. And I've learned with Ellie after reading about sevens that like, oh, this is like exposing brokenness in the relationship or exposing brokenness in the world is really scary, huge, scary for her. And so I can't just like drop bombs all the time. You know, I have to Mm -hmm. like give her space to like process hard truths and then come back and talk about them. And so it gave us like, some practical ways of like how to like navigate those things. And, you know, it's interesting too talking about pain, like eights, or at least my, me, you know, I, pain is like very much, very comfortable with pain. You know, it's, it's, it's a mountain to climb. It's not necessarily like, I just don't, I don't necessarily sit in it, but I, I'm not afraid of it. You know, like I can kind of like, um, you know, my counselor always says like eights carry big burdens and they carry them pretty well. You know, like you can, you can put 150 pounds on my back and it's not, you're not going to know I'm carrying it in, until, unless I trust you and I tell you about it. Mm. And that circle is pretty small, yeah. you know. The danger I think with eights in that regard is that they don't have a sense of their own limitations. No. So what happens is that you carry that 150 pounds without realizing it's exacting a physical or emotional or spiritual toll. For sure. For sure. Totally. So yeah, it's like we have a lot of capacity but we we can definitely over you know overdo it and and over and and actually over solo it you know like you can you kind of tend to be oh, I got this you know I'm gonna oh, bend the, bend the world to my will right you know we're we're both in counseling in and out all the time both of us and then separately as well um, but I I in the past probably two years um, Drew's been sort of on a counseling journey and. I feel like I'm married to a different person mm. um, because what's happened in the past two years, just like you're saying that they carry this weight. Uh, Drew's like really connected with his heart and, mm. and let me in um, in a way that has been so, so beautiful um, to like what he's feeling. I think he's connected with it himself and then been like, kind enough to to let me in as well and so um there's been more sensitivity from him than I've ever encountered before and 
And so I actually had to like relearn how to be married to him for just a second. There. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, you didn't actually used to care about. I don't know. It just would you would right. let a lot roll off your back and you're more tender than you've been. So, I mean, I'm not like mean, but I just was not quite as quite. I wasn't very sensitive towards you for a long time because I wasn't used she to thought, needing sort of to be. thought that I was like mm. always fine. And so I started being like, well, actually, no, I'm not. I just, you know, I'm just carrying it internally. and I'm going to stop doing that all the time. Right. And so now you have to like, I'm actually, I, I, you know, never wanted to be kind of needed, you know? And so now I'm like learning like, Oh, I actually do have needs and I'm going to express them mm. you know, inside the, inside the, the intimacy of our marriage, you know? Whereas I used to just be like, oh, I got it. I'm good. Right. I'm fine. You know. There's a um there's a great quote Friedrich Nietzsche has that I that I I love. He says, It's not a lack of love, but a lack of friendship that makes unhappy marriages. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we you know, th- that's been the sweetest thing about us from the beginning is we actually knew each other for four years before we got married or f- before we started dating. Yeah. And then Part of what happened with Ellie is because she's this, you know, basically like the living female version of Elf. <laughs> I mean, she is. Everything, everything's amazing. And she lives in a state of perpetual surprise. Yes, color, bright, everything's a surprise. Bright yeah. colors and happiness and, and joy. And um, so because of that and, and, and college, like, and because of obviously she's just like a, an incredible personality and beautiful woman, lots of guys were interested in dating her and she dated a handful of guys and they were all sort of in love with the idea of Ellie. Mm-hmm. And I knew her as a friend and knew that there was, a, there was um, like there are, like there isn't every single person. There's like pain and sadness under the surface. And I had known her enough to be sort of led into some of that. And so when those relationships fell apart. I was always kind of standing over in the corner, like I'm not going anywhere. Like Mm. we've got friendship. We've got, you know, I'm attracted to you. I know you're not attracted to me yet, but But you will, but you will be because I'm an eight and I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting. So, uh, before we started recording, and now twice since we've been recording, the two of you have mentioned uh, on a couple of occasions counseling. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly, it's uh, it features importantly in in your lives. And mm-hmm. if it's okay, I just want to dive into that for a little sure. bit because yeah, sevens often will duck counseling. Oh yeah. Because and I've actually, although I don't have a practice anymore, um. You know, sevens were always a challenge because you'd get them in and you'd start to move them towards uncomfortable feelings. And they, if, if, if it wasn't charm, if it wasn't, you know, which is a great way out, <laughs> the, the ability to change the subject, to tell a joke, or did I tell you what happened to my son this morning? It's so hysterical. It's like, right. no, 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 come back, heal, heal, stay with it, stay with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's hard for sevens to stay, right? And so sevens often don't. Like they'll come for a few times, and then if they get too close to the source, they they start missing appointments. Yeah, air oh, quotes yeah. missing appointments. Yeah, uh, and eights sometimes don't come in for very obvious reasons, right? They, um, it's it's hard for them. Typically, eights struggle with self reflection, right? I'm a four. I can self reflect until 
until you want to be nauseous. You right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> but eights are very, their focus is very external, right? Mm. Their, their attention, their focus of attention is very much outside themselves, not inside themselves, right? So I want to know what it is that drove a seven and an eight in as much as you're comfortable yeah. to go to counseling. Like what, what's the urgency in it? Well, I'll, I'll start and then I want to, hand it to you because it sure. really was Ellie's sort of Ellie made a big step that she should tell you about but we, when we when we got married we, we thankfully both of our parents my my parents and her parents were big proponents of marriage counseling you know not just pre-marriage counseling but just hey go to pre-marriage counseling then get married and keep going yes yeah and so that obviously we had there was a precedent of destigmatized you know destigmat it wasn't a it wasn't right. a stigmatized thing in our households growing up and, and not to say that our parents went all the time it was more like just like hey you should this should be somewhat regular in your life and when you have an <laughs> issue you you need help you know you're young we were 24 and 23 and so um but then um we sort of started hitting some sort of major roadblocks and that's when ellie sort of made this pretty important step. You should tell them the story about what needed the, the three options. Yeah, yeah. That. Well, I, I, so it's so funny that you say it because I, I literally went to counseling for the first time, um, Porter's Call, which has been such mm, a gift to yeah, our right. marriage, Al and Nita. Yeah. Nita was still there at the time. And um, I, I literally sat down and I was like, so Nita, I have this friend. And um, I like I literally there was a relationship that um, that there was a lot of conflict in. Mm. And it was one of those things that I like. It was so painful to me. I didn't know how to get up afterwards. I mm. felt like um, like I'd broken a leg and I couldn't walk right. Mm. And but what it and did, part of it was my it was it was my interaction with this third party. Yeah, that was really because I'm an eight. I had sort of like had these, you know, painful con conflicts with this person. And instead of trying to like back out of it, I like fully moved, like moved straight into it. And it kind of was a, a minefield for Ellie. Mm. It was but, broken. It, but I was like, Hey, this is real. Like you can't, we can't run away from this. We have to deal with this. Mm. Right. But it was, it was, it was, yeah, it created a set of insurmountable obstacles relationally. It felt Fairly. like a relational bomb went off with a very dear friend, and then it was connected with Drew and in our and it exposed some things in our marriage yeah. that I was running from, and and um, so I was like, so I have this friend, and I finished talking, and I was like, I just mainly really need to know how to deal with them, and um, if you can just give me some tools, that would be great. That's why I'm here. And so she just sat back after I talked for maybe 45 minutes. And <laughs> a long yeah. time. Yep. Yeah. I just was like, so this is the story. This is what's going on. Just need some strategies to cope with this person. And she was just like, I want you to think about salsa. And I was like, I love salsa. Yes. Like, what about it? Let's talk. And she, and she was like, she was like, you are actually in need of some intensive counseling. And um, you can choose your your salsa, mild, medium, hot. Mild's going to look like coming in here once a year. We can talk about your friend or, or whatever else you feel like you need help with. Medium's a need-to-know basis. So this, you know, as things come up, we can come and work through those together. She was like, hot's going to look like laying your personality out across the gospel. Uh, or not the gospel, but just the truth. Mm -hmm. So the truth. And just saying, we're going we're gonna to just... 
we're going to experience some truth and expose some lies that you've been believing and some pretty serious broken patterns that are in Mm. your life. You're going to hate coming in here and you're going to not want to come back every time. So here's, you can choose mild or medium. Um, but if you do that in 10 to 12 years, like you, your life is going to fall apart or Mm. you can choose hot. And so I was like, and cried the whole way back home because I think I, I knew deep down something was off and broken in me, but I had spent my whole life running from it. Mm. And, um, Brene Brown says like, it's really scary to own the brokenness in our story, but it's a hell of a lot scarier and harder to spend our lives running from it. And so, uh, I, it was the beginning of a journey for me to freedom and uh, embracing the brokenness in my life. And in- the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The world. Mm. Still on the journey. (laughs) So just a second ago, when you you said um, spent, the phrase you used was spent my whole life running from it. Yeah. And when you said it, there was a catch. You, you, I could pick it up in your voice. Oh, yeah. So I'm what, still here in, yeah, in counseling so, doing this. Yeah. So, again, in as much as you're comfortable, if you had to um, put language to it, what what was it you were spending your whole life running from? Yeah. So, there, um, so I did a lot of work in that season of counseling, kind of like graduated for a second from counseling. I was like, oh man, mm. I am so much healthier. Cause I started telling the truth to myself, mm-hmm. to God, to Me. Drew. And then that trickled, that has trickled down into most every relationship if you're close enough with me. And, uh, and so that changed a lot. But I think, um, we we've been in counseling again with his Drew's counselor. And, uh, so recently I've just been delving into, and this is really, I, don't, I like you Ian, cause I don't normally, I won't, <laughs> I don't go here a lot, but, um, I have some wounds from my childhood, I have amazing parents who are humans. And, um, and so I, just have focused on the amazing parents part and neglected to ever go into any of those wounds, which Mm -hmm. I think probably at the time when I was younger, my counselor was trying to get me to do. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not the problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. Cause it felt too painful to go through. So I just was laughing when you were saying sevens are hard in counseling because in this counseling session, I was saying some really hard things about my childhood and laughing. And the counselor was like, why? Are you laughing right mm-hmm. now? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, because if I don't laugh, I just sobbed. I just started yeah. sobbing, and it just launched me. I've been on a journey of this last year of just really um, grieving uh, some things that were lost in my childhood that I can't get back, you know. Um, and so I am so grateful. Um, for that process, even though I like hate feel, I still hate feeling sad and feeling pain. 
Um, but, but it's actually caused more wholeness as, and, and so when I say wholeness, like I, as a person, um, to, to walk into that and to see even walking into some of my deepest wounds, uh, to know and learn, like, it's okay. You're going to be okay Mm. after that. Even after you acknowledge some of the hardest painful things, like I'm still here. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a gift for me to know well you know the the wound a lot of times that that or the lie i should say sure. right that that sevens pick up is that it's really not okay to depend on anybody else uh <laughs> for anything right yeah and so you have to come up with a strategy uh to navigate the world with that underlying assumption you know underneath the waterline of consciousness that's operating you know what i mean totally and so you know, just the truth being for the seven that the counter message they have to hear is, it's all right, you're going to be taken care of, right? Totally. It is a healing and powerful yeah. message to hear. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then what happens is for all of us, I think, in our type is we sort of face the lie and we face the truth of, you know, of what the world is, is the the. The, our, that arthritic grip, that paralytic grip that our type has on us begins to soften. And our commitment to the strategies of our type, our manic compulsive mm-hmm. commitment <laughs> to those strategies just begins to soften. They don't go away. I'm just saying, but they soften. And we dis- discover, I don't always have to be funny. I don't always have to be finding entertainment. I don't always have to see the silver lining. I don't always have to do this or that. <laughs> I can actually deal with pain. I, w- I know that I can be supportive, that, that I will be taken care of. And then suddenly, you're not caught in the autopilot of the crazy manic seven. Which is a gift. Oh, because it's exhausting. <laughs> it's, and it, and it's all exhausting. of our strategies are really exhausting <laughs> at the end are. of the day. All right, Drew, I'm going to come back to you in just a second. But yeah. this is actually a great segue into uh, talking about uh, one of our typologies, amazing friends uh, the, and, and sponsors, which is Restoring the Soul. Um, you were just talking about Alanita and Porter's Call. Oh, and one of the things that I've learned as a therapist and as a, you know, someone who's I go to therapy all, you know, I don't, I, I basically never not go. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a big piece of my life. It's part of my recovery journey. It's part of a lot of different things for me. Um, but one of the lessons I've learned is that not everybody benefits from a traditional 50 minute hour. In fact, you know, I would call that the mild sauce. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Uh, mild to medium. Sometimes yeah. you need the hot sauce. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, that a typical weekly session can't give you. And that's why some people can go to couples therapy or individual counseling for months or even years and never really get anywhere using the mild sauce. You know, it just doesn't work. So I'm a fan. I'm a believer in this intensive counseling process process at a place called Restoring the Soul in Colorado. Restoring the Soul was created by my longtime friend Michael Cusick to help couples and individuals experience deep change in half-day blocks over one or two weeks. Michael and his team know that sometimes you can't wait months or years to get to the bottom of an issue or to experience breakthrough. You need the hot salsa. So (laughs) for nearly 20 years, they've helped couples and individuals transform their relationships and their lives. So Typology listeners, if you are looking to get out of the rut you're in but can't wait for years or months, 
Call my friend Michael Restoring the Soul today for a free consultation. That number is 303-932-9777 and learn how their intensive counseling process can jumpstart your journey or launch you to a whole new place. And Anthony, yes, as a special bonus for just our typology listeners, That's right. make sure to visit www.restoringthesoul.com forward slash typology to download their PDF called Five, Five Ways, Ways Unaddressed Trauma, trauma may, be may Be Derailing Your Relationship. relationship. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Right there, <laughs> man. Drew. Hey, wait, before we move on, yes? let's tell people about Luminous. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What is Luminous? Ooh. That sounds this good. Is a, this is a new uh, Jiminy Jam. Uh, so, you know, over the years, I've had a bunch of people talk to me um, about, you know, wanting to do a deeper dive into the Enneagram beyond just, you know, uh, the basics. And um, uh, so I'm thrilled to be the person to tell you uh, about Luminous, which is a two-day Enneagram intensive that I'm going to be hosting with my good friend Beatrice Chestnut. Um, those of you who haven't read Beatrice's book, The Complete Enneagram, that's like my second go-to book. Uh, when I tell people, you read the road back to you, you get a good primer, but man, if you want to take the next step, go to Beatrice's book. Uh, Luminous is a content-rich experience that's going to teach participants how to take their Enneagram knowledge and use it to create a more luminous self, a joy, more radiance related. I'm coming in all my, <laughs> all my light issues here, my, my light <laughs> metaphors. Space is limited to just 115 participants who get to experience teaching and panels on topics such as centers of intelligence and developmental deficits and instincts and subtypes. We're going to hit all kinds of deeper level stuff. This is going to be a blast. It's going to be real interactive. Um, we're going to be trying to take people from here to there through the Enneagram and connect with like-minded individuals who can encourage them on the path. We're going to have great music. We're going to have great food. It's not going to be just like, you know, let's just deep dive in the Enneagram. We're going to have a lot of fun. If you are interested in coming to Luminous June 28th and 29th, it's right here in Music City, Woo. Nashville. Woo it's going to be great, man. It's going to be better than the NFL draft <laughs> <laughs> going on right now, making screwing up my traffic life. Uh, if you're interested, June 28, 29, right here in Nashville, visit Ian Morgan Cron forward slash luminous, L-U-M-I-N-O-U-S, for more details and to register. And so you know, early bird pricing ends tomorrow. All right, Drew. Now, uh, Ellie was put herself out there now i'm gonna ask you to do the same you're an eight you're in therapy so for me with eights in therapy there can be similar challenges to a seven but it's a different kind of intensity right yeah um usually for an eight to get in the room someone's had to wallop them a little bit you yeah, know for to, sure for them to be able to say i'm going to reach out uh beyond myself i'm mm -hmm. going to be willing to self-reflect um because vulnerability is not your first language Right. Yeah. What brought you there? What are you working on as an eight? Like, yeah. What's happening? Well, I mean, a couple. There's sort of the the long answer is that I sort of started a journey of self reflection uh, when I was about 21. I, my brother I had a brother that died when I was 17, and I responded to that with a kind of classic. Um, Let me give you 10 reasons why his life was awesome and worth living, and give me, you know. 
give you the high points of his obituary and make sense of it through that sort of means, but not actually like allow myself to miss him. So my senior year of college, I um, did a, I was in this program at University of Tennessee where you can kind of build your own major. And so I did a, a, pro, a, a project where I did 100 interviews of people who knew him and trying to mm. dive into why his life was important to them. Uh, doctors, friends, because he had 2,000 people that came to his funeral. He was a very like, um, magnanimous mm. young kid in town. And so in doing that, I was like really dove into my own like sadness and grief. And so I, I, I became very acquainted with grief and became acquainted with allowing myself to co- sort of feel deeply and sadly and and then also rise out of that. And, and I also have a seven wing, so I love fun. I love people. I love doing things and so i um kind of how ellie and i even got together was we both just loved sort of had this big sense of adventure Mm -hmm. she would casually say something in college like man that'd be fun to go do that and the next thing you know i'd already planned it you know (laughs) (laughs) that's That's sort of one of the like benefits of being an eight is like just a can-do spirit you know so um there were a variety of reasons i went to counseling over the over the years that were sort of like the mild you know like i want to fix this or deal with this. But really, uh, I got really sick about three years ago. I got meningitis and spent nine days in the hospital. Oh. And coming out of that, I was really, um, I couldn't get, like, I couldn't really get better. I couldn't feel better. And I really had, you know, I don't know if, you know, I was very, it wasn't PTSD, but it was very much like I just couldn't um, function the way I was used to functioning. And so I, I went to a counselor and like I I couldn't express to anyone I was close to how scared it how scary mm. it was to feel like you're gonna die. Mm. I and mean, I, I really in the hospital thought I was gonna die mm. multiple days. And you could have. I could have. Yeah. Yeah. And I was afraid to you know, my buddies were like, Oh man, that was crazy how sick you were, you know, it's like, Yeah, mm. it was really crazy. You know? And then I I didn't feel like I could necessarily express it to Ellie because I, I didn't want her to um, try to make it better, which is sort of a tendency of like a sort of a big personality, you know, um, at least that was my fear, right. you know, obviously it's not exactly true. So I started going to counseling and, um, was able to sort of dive d- down into that. And, and then out of that went through a sort of a professional, um, desert right after that, that sort of burned all the furniture in my room, you know, <laughs> internally. Right. And gave me just like a significant identity crisis, and so I, I had heard of this guy who's an who's also an eight, who's a counselor, and I was like, "That's what I need. I need a good butt kicking. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't need another counselor just to go, wow, I, that's good. You know, I need somebody to like get in my face, and that's what has happened, and it's been really good. And so I think for me, I part of it was having kids. I just wanted to be a dad that. Um, like led them well, but also uh, gave them plenty of space. You know, our first born is a daughter. And so she opened up these new rooms in my heart yeah. that um, were not there before. I mean, when, we, when she was a newborn, I was like, she was, I was playing with her on the floor and I like made the baby voice and called her pumpkin. And Ellie literally goes, what did you just say pumpkin? And I was like, I'll say whatever I want to my daughter. You know, cause like that would not have been a word I would have used. Like I'm a <laughs> right, very like yeah, yeah. man's man, like, <laughs> Pumpkin? What? You know, <laughs> but it's like this funny thing we look back on. And so, man, our and our middle son is um, he, he's just this sweet, sensitive kid. He's 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 a 
he's all boy, but he's just different than me. And I, I want to be like, I don't want to, eights tend to, I think, sort of see the world a certain way and want everyone to sort of, you know, that's why they make great dictators, you know, <laughs> or they make dictators. I don't know if they're, there's a such thing as a great dictator but you know i i try to be more of like a benevolent monarch sort of you know that's, that's how I, good of you that's yeah. very good of you you know well it's funny like we i I've, I've had this this band now for 14 years and two of the guys that have been in the band now for 14 plus years with me and we joke that's kind of how the band operates it's like right. somebody has to make the decisions i'm okay with making decisions but i want to be wise that there are plenty of things i'm not the expert on and they are and so I need to, to listen and default to them as often as possible. And um, obviously marriage is different than that. I'm not a monarch in the marriage. You know, we're equal. And um, I really have loved the sort of the journey that we've had of Ellie really coming into her own and even her deciding to choose to do her career, which was a huge step of scariness for her and fear. And she's done really well and really climbed a lot of mountains. And to be a cheerleader, I think that one of the, hardest things for eights to do is to let others be in charge you know because you just oh, yeah you always think you're the best person in the room to be in charge mm -hmm. which i don't know what that is it's a really sick and demented point of view in some ways but it also tends to somewhat usually be true because you have this this capacity to go in and like make things happen yeah. you know and you can go in like not scared ever of chaos you know it's like i will show you how we'll get through this chaos mm -hmm. but sometimes now it's like hey this is not my chaos i'm in it but it's not mine it's not mine to fix i'm just gonna help the other person navigate their way through it but i'm not you know i don't have to be in charge here wow drew holcomb thank you for sharing that revelation that really runs counter to the core message of the enneagram eight i hope you've enjoyed part one of our two-part series with Drew and Ellie Holcomb. We're going to leave you with a song by Ellie titled, Do Not Worry. And what a great song to counter the core message of the Enneagram 8, which is, I've got to be in control, which of course comes from fear. So this is the perfect song to go out on. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, part one of part two with Drew and Ellie Holcomb. Stick around for next week's episode, part two. I know you're going to enjoy that as well. Until then, that's all for me, Anthony Skinner. Thank you for joining our host, Ian Cron, and myself here on Typology Podcast. Enjoy Ellie Holcomb and her song, Do Not Worry. See the birds that are singing in the spring air. They're giving everything they need. They don't worry where their next meal will come from. They don't worry about a thing. So just look around you and try to listen to the song creation sings. And don't you worry cause you're in the hands of the God who made everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See the flowers in their Dressed better than a king They don't worry about what they should wear No, they don't worry about a thing So just look around you And try to listen to the song Creation sings And don't you worry Cause you're in the hands of the God 
who made everything because you're you're not a bird and you're you're not a flower you don't have petals or wings but there is good news you're worth so much more to the god who made everything Good news, cause you're worth so much more to the God who made everything. Yeah. <laughs> 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 